0: From WHYY and Billy Penn. It is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolness from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stoleness. Coming up, the Phillies make a move. It's, you know. It's something, anyway, here on this really slow hot stove. Uh, But the Phillies do sign a pitcher to their 40-man roster. We'll tell you who it is and a little bit more about them. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about some different things that the Phillies could be doing during the next couple weeks. And we're going to be doing that with one of my favorite guests that we have on the podcast uh, the editor in chief of Baseball Prospectus, Craig Goldstein, going to be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. Also, uh, we say goodbye to a dear friend, Reese Hoskins. Now officially has a new team, as many of you probably know by now. And we'll give you a little hot stove update too on some signings uh, that took place here over the last couple of days. All that coming up here on this episode. Of Hit and Season. Uh, just a quick reminder, everybody, just a couple of days left to vote for Hit and Season for the best baseball podcast of 2024. Uh, I've been saying for 2023. They're calling it the 2024 Sports Podcast Awards. Go to sportspodcastgroup.com. And click on the 2024 Sports Podcast Awards. We are nominated for Best Baseball Podcast. That's where you can find us. So uh, click on that and uh, and vote for Hit and Season. We got to beat out John Heyman. We got to beat out some of these other national uh, podcasts. And even if you know first, second, third, I don't care. We got to get something here. And if you haven't done so already, please. It just takes a second. Head on over there and vote for Hit and Season uh, for Best Baseball Podcast of 2024. All right, let's dive right into the Phillies news. And I mentioned the Phillies did make a signing. This is really is their biggest signing uh, since they signed Aaron Nola to a free agent contract. Colby Allard, former first round pick of Atlanta in 2015, joins the Phillies on a one year deal. It's a split contract. Uh, He'll earn a little over a million dollars if he hits the big league roster. I think it's something around three hundred some thousand dollars if he's in the minors for the entire season. Can you imagine making three hundred thousand dollars in a year for playing minor league baseball? Not bad, right? He's 26 years old and. He could be a potential rotation swingman. Uh, he's a left-hander, so they could use him out of the bullpen. He's on the team's 40-man roster. He will be with the team in spring training. Think of him as kind of a, a Michael Lorenzen, although at a much cheaper cost than if they'd re-signed the actual Michael Lorenzen, although he's not as good or as established as Lorenzen. Uh, he has a career 6.10 ERA in 245 innings over six seasons with Atlanta and Texas. Not a lot of big league success for this guy yet. He did spend last season with the Braves, was hampered by injuries for most of the year. Uh, He spent some time on the 60-day IL with a strained right oblique muscle. He also had nerve inflammation in his left shoulder. He only appeared in four games. Three of them were starts last year and had a 6.57 Era. He is not a hard thrower. He's a soft-tossing lefty. Now, the Phillies have had some success with soft-tossing lefties. I mean, Ranger Suarez, Christopher Sanchez, these guys are not high-velocity fastball guys, but they're a little bit harder velocity than Allard, at least right now. Uh, His average fastball velocity is about 90 to 91 miles an hour. Scott Lauber noted in his article for the Philly Inquirer that his strikeout and walk rates belie that high ERA to the point of maybe... There's something better there than what people have seen before. And maybe that's one of the things that pitching coach Caleb Cottom likes in him. He has consistently, year after year, put up a below average walk rate. Last year, it was 7.1%. Again, only in a handful of starts. It was 6.9% in 2022, 5.8% in 2021. So he doesn't walk guys, which is great. He also had an above average strikeout rate last year again in a shortened season 23.2 percent but that mirrors what he's done throughout his major league career if the you know the Phillies uh noted themselves that Allard posted a 6.1 percent walk rate from 2021 to 2023 that's 12th among all left-handed pitchers with at least 150 innings and his strikeout to walk ratio over that span 3.32 was 29th among that group so you can see maybe that there's something to work with here. And I think the Phillies have earned a little bit of the benefit of the doubt when signing players like this, they've, they've been able to find some things and This is what we've been dying for the Phillies to do for years, to go and find some pitchers from other teams, scrap heaps guys that they couldn't keep on the 40 man roster guys that other teams have given up on. Maybe that have dealt with some injuries and to, Find something in them, to see something in them and to bring it out. Teach them a new pitch. Get them some extra velocity. The Phillies did it with Jeff Hoffman last year, finding a diamond in the rough in that, in, in that guy, Christopher Sanchez again. They've done it. They did a great job developing him. Fingers crossed that he can repeat that success in 2024. And again, Ranger Suarez was never a top prospect. You know, he's never uh, a flamethrowing guy who's going to blow you away with stuff, but they developed him to the point where he is a very good middle-of-the-rotation starter. I'm not saying Allard is going to be that guy. It's more likely than not that he isn't going to be that kind of guy, but he's a former first-round pick. He's only 26 years old, and again, you see some of the numbers that the Phillies were putting out in terms of strikeout-to-walk ratio. Maybe there's something there. The Phillies are now at 39 players on the 40-man roster. They have one space available, And so if they sign another free agent, they make a trade or something, Uh, they won't have to... Get rid of somebody off the 40-man roster. But they do have some guys that you could move off the 40-man without really sweating it a whole lot. So uh, Philly sign a swing man, a guy who will probably spend a lot of the season in AAA. Uh, will not start the season probably on the big league club, but I would expect to see him in the majors at some point this year unless he flames out in spring training or is just awful for Lehigh Valley this year. And we'll just kind of we'll kind of see how things go. All right, some other news around baseball. Reese Hoskins is a Milwaukee Brewer. We knew it was going to happen, but Reese Hoskins is officially no longer a Philly. He is signing with his old pal Matt Klintak's organization, the Brewers, to a two-year $34 million deal that allows him to opt out after 2024 if he has a good season this year. We will welcome Reese Hoskins back to Citizens Bank Park on June 3rd, when the Brewers come to town, and of course, the standing ovation he receives upon his return will make grown men weep. Um, I wrote a story for The Good Fight that was out on Wednesday, talking about Hoskins, his legacy in Philadelphia, and the fact he he is a no-doubt Wall of Famer. I was seeing some chatter in The Good Fight Slack channel Arguing as to whether or not Reese Hoskins would be inducted into the Wall of Fame, it's it's a no-brainer, right? I mean, there's really no question, given what he gave to the team both on the field and off the field, his postseason heroics in 2022. The guy is a no-doubt Wall of Famer, right? I mean, it's going to happen pretty soon after he retires, I would imagine too. Like it's it's there's not going to be wringing of the hands. Oh, is, is 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 Reese good enough? I mean, his legacy with the Phillies will last forever. The that uh, that bat spike. Maybe the second most iconic home run in franchise history behind Bedlam at the Bank. That bat spike in game 3 of the NLDS in 2022, that that moment is as etched in Philly's fans minds as the Bob Boone Pete Rose bobble in the 1980 World Series was to fans of that generation as Lenny Dykstra's home run in game five of the 1993 national league championship series was to fans of that generation. Chase Utley's behind second base backhand Deke throw to first throw to home in game five of the 2008 world series. All of these different moments in time that we remember doc holidays, no hitter against the reds in 2010. This bat that bat spike moment ranks up there with any of them. It will go down in Philly's lore forever and, frankly that was that may not have even been the biggest home run of the playoffs for reese hoskins in in terms of importance he saved game four of the nlcs with a two-run shot with the phillies down four nothing in the first inning and then when juan soto after the phillies had come back to tie it at four juan soto gives san diego a six to four lead and then a half inning later, Reese Hoskins comes back up again with a man on first and nobody out and hits another shot to left center field, ties the game at six. The, you know San Diego wins that game. All of a sudden now, it's a 2-2 series. And as we saw with the Diamondbacks last year in the NLCS, anything can happen when you kind of get out of whack like that. He also put the Phillies up 2-0 early in game five of the NLCS with a blast. He would have been the NLCS MVP were it not for Bedlam at the bank. He was incredible in the National League Championship Series. So uh, that playoff run, it was a roller coaster. He went from struggling badly early in the first few games of the wild card in the first couple of games of the Brave Series and then turned it on until they got to the World Series and then stumbled in the World Series a little bit. But Hoskins is the only player, oh, pardon me, he's the the only players in franchise history with fewer at-bats per home run than Hoskins were Jim Tomey, Ryan Howard, and Mike Schmidt according to Todd Zalecki, that's pretty incredible company only mike schmidt ryan howard and jim Tomy required had, had fewer at bats per home run than reese hoskins 6 seasons with philadelphia he had 242 with a 353 on base and a 492 slugging percentage, 148 career home runs, 149 doubles. He had a career-high 34 home runs in 2018 and led the National League in walks in 2019 with 116. This is a good move for Milwaukee. They are an offense that badly needed a right-handed power bat in the middle of the lineup. He'll probably hit cleanup between Christian Yelich and Willie Adamas. Uh, this, the, I think the Brewers are still a little ways away from... Uh, returning to contention we'll have to see what they do with Craig Council no longer their manager and it doesn't look like uh, Brandon Woodruff is going to be in the rotation this season at all and they could trade Corbin Burns this might be a gap year for Milwaukee but it's a good place for Reese Hoskins to regain some value his career numbers I think he has an over a thousand OPS in Milwaukee playing in that stadium so he likes to hit there it's a hitter's ballpark Best wishes, Therese Hoskins, and of course, we'll see him later this year when Milwaukee comes to Philadelphia. couple other notes on the hot stove. The Nationals signed Joey Gallo to a one-year, $5 million deal. Gallo, I think if you were thinking about him as a possible Jake Cave replacement, it wasn't going to work out, at least not now, because in Washington, he'll get regular playing time. He'll be an everyday starter for the Nationals. At least he'll start against all the right-handers and probably against some left-handers they might go with a straight platoon of him out in left field but that's more playing time than he would have gotten in Philadelphia. He signed a 1-year, 11-million dollar with the uh, tw- deal with the Twins last year and hit 197 but with a 323 on base and a 466 slugging percentage. Very sounds very Kyle Schwarbian, right? Weighted runs created of 104, but he only hit 21 home runs whereas Kyle Schwarber hit like 40 40- Forty-eight home runs, or whatever it was, I forget how many he had now. But uh, Kyle Schwarber had twice as many home runs as uh, as uh, uh, as Joey Gallo. But Joey Gallo plays good defense out in the outfield, so he gives you something there. But Gallo's striking out in forty-three percent of his plate appearances last year. Yeah, that's just that's mind-boggling. Um, his offensive skills are declining. It's been a continuing trend for him. But he's got a high walk rate, high strikeout rate. Makes him a frustrating everyday player. But he's he does have power. If he can rediscover that power in Washington, they will certainly have a trade chip on their hands at the trade deadline. And that's probably the biggest reason why they went out and got him. The LA Angels continue to work on their bullpen. They signed Robert Stevenson, over the weekend and this week, they signed a, a one-year deal with Matt Moore, former Philly, who has remade himself as a really effective reliever, a $9 million contract for him. It's the, uh, it, it's the He was in Anaheim to finish the season last year. Uh, he's 34 years old now in 44 innings with the Angels last season. He had a 2.66 ERA and a 28% strikeout rate, 6.9% walk rate. He's a really good relief pitcher after being a pretty awful starting pitcher here in Philadelphia. And the Dodgers signed James Paxton to a one-year $11 million deal. He joins a rotation fronted by Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Tyler Glassnow, Walker Bueller, and Bobby Miller. Uh, Otani will likely pitch for them in 2025, so they just have to wait a year for Otani to come back. Uh, They've also got a couple of guys who are out this year who could also be back in in 2025, Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May. Uh, So, and It's up in the air whether or not Clayton Kershaw is going to come back he is rehabbing a shoulder injury and won't be ready until the all-star game most likely so around mid-season or so for Clayton Kershaw so he probably won't sign with anybody right away he'll probably wait until the middle of the season before either re-signing with the Dodgers it's just it's hard to imagine Kershaw playing someplace else you wonder too if depending on how the shoulder is doing could they use him as a reliever could he sign with anybody as a relief pitcher. And if so, uh, what would that do for his numbers? What would that do for his stats? Uh, Very, very interesting. But uh, uh, the Dodgers continue to make moves, signing a one-year, $11 million deal with starting pitcher James Paxton. And joining me to talk a little bit about what lies ahead yet for the Phillies to do, and we'll talk a little Hall of Fame stuff as well, with the voting having just uh, taken place this week, Craig Goldstein, the great editor-in-chief for Baseball Prospectus. You can follow him on Twitter at C.D. Goldstein. Craig, welcome back to Hittin' Season. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, John. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing real good. And I know that uh, you guys over at Baseball Prospectus, it's a fun time for you all because I know the BP annual is on its way out the door. Tell folks a little bit about it before we get started, how they can get themselves a copy and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, it's... it's uh... It's a book that covers all 30 teams, but we do an essay for every team. We do around 65 comments for each team, uh, but we do have a free agent chapter. So when it was finalized, which was early January, uh, it's as of that date. But you mm-hmm. know, so, so it's not 65 per team because there is an extra chapter in that kind of way. Plus we have four, uh, four non-team specific essays. Uh, That that we have this year and then we also include our top 101 prospects uh, at the back of the book uh, with write ups on all 101 prospects. They're also flagged in each chapter throughout so if you're reading through uh, the Phillies and you see. Uh, you know Mick Abel, or well, I don't actually know. I'm going off the top of my head. I, I I'm <laughs> don't remember if he's if he's on it or not. Uh, but but Andrew Painter. You know when sure. you come across his blurb, there will be a nice little header that tells you what exactly what number prospect he is on our 101 That's out on the site. You can go see see that already. But you'll get the full write up uh, uh, from the prospect team in the back of the book. Uh, it's really it's it's just it's it's a labor of love. It is it takes over our lives for a few months but it is uh it's it's honestly such such an amazing thing to be associated with and i i read them before i was involved in bp and it's such a treat to be to be able to be part of it and it really is just something like you're not gonna find anything else like it is is what i would say to people i i don't like making pitches and selling honestly (laughs) which is probably not great (laughs) for my my position right but but i don't because i don't want i don't want someone to regret anything but i i do honestly like i can say you know fully truthfully like you're not going to find anything like this out there there and and maybe there used to be but not that many have survived right it's just yeah. you're going to get big swings on some essays sometimes it's just a standard breakdown of a team other times it's it's just a big swing we try and incorporate different authors we we do bring back authors we love and try and move them around to different teams uh this year the phillies are written by kelsey mckinney uh from defector she's an incredible incredible Mm -hmm. writer uh has has written a book and writes at defector if people are familiar with her uh just one of my favorite writers to read um and and it's just yeah again like it's you're going to get our projections with it too you're going to get the 2024 pakoda projection line uh we break down again 65 players per team. so that's the the major league roster we dig into the minors all of that kind of stuff it's just an absolute tome it's it's just shy of 600 pages Mm -hmm. uh it's it's an incredible deal i think it's 30 dollars full price i think amazon discounts it we we have a books page on our website that you can get it for straight from our publisher all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I've I've gone on too long. I'm pitching too much. I don't I don't like it. People don't want to hear it. That's fine. It's a really it's an incredible book. Adley Rushman is on the cover. I think it's a gorgeous cover. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely great. I, and I encourage people to get it. It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't know what teams uh, or team Justin Clue wrote up, but it's going to probably be a three act <laughs> play uh, based on you know whatever happened, whatever he thinks is going on with that team. So uh, he, definitely,
1: uh, we got him the Braves. We decided oh, to challenge him with okay. that. Okay. Yeah,
0: exactly. You'll want to buy that. You'll want to get a copy just to hear what Justin has to write about the Braves probably. So make sure you do that baseball. And we've prospectus. got former
1: former Philly blogger Michael Bauman mm-hmm. uh, as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. on Pittsburgh. So staying in okay. state. But uh, he's on Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's, it's a killer lineup. Sam Miller yeah. writes for obviously a baseball prospectus uh, person. David Roth, uh, James Feegan. We got uh, Roy Wood Jr. I uh, know if people are familiar, he's one of the uh, correspondents and, and co-hosts of The Daily Show uh for a little bit there uh we got the guy who wrote the screenplay for air uh, alex Jeez. convery okay. uh, he's writing the boston essay again like we we try and take some swings with the authors we have the authors do interesting things and then there are standard breakdowns uh you know yeah. for, for various teams depends what the situation calls for well if you ever um, need a
0: hack or something to write about the oakland A's or something like that you can't get <laughs> anybody to fill that in you got my email okay um. you, you got it we, <laughs> i will say i will say
1: just on the a's we yeah. did get uh, Jeremy Koo, who, who used to vlog for Athletics Nation and went to Las Vegas and spoke to their assembly. Mm. Uh, he, he wrote the essay for that. It's very cool. I'm telling you guys. Like yeah. Again, it is, it is really worth it.
0: So a little out of little, some stuff that's a little out of left field which makes it a more interesting read for sure um so again baseball is where you can get that amazon as well all right let's uh let's talk a little ball here craig and uh i want to talk about the phillies a little bit of course and after signing Aaron Nola earlier early in the offseason a very quiet uh, offseason for the phillies they signed colby allard this week i mentioned him at the top of the podcast went into him a little bit but um not a whole lot of success for this 26 year old at the big league level yet so far but maybe the phillies can unearth something but i wanted to get your thoughts on the phillies offseason as a whole so far they came into the offseason with a lot of the heavy lifting already done in previous off seasons they didn't have a ton of holes to fill but it looked as though they needed a corner outfielder it kind of looked as though they needed a relief pitcher and it seemed as though they made a hard charge after yamamoto at one point this offseason does it do you get Phillies? some phillies fans are a little bit i don't know if frustrated is the right word but a little bit You know, concern that the Phillies are content to run it back, so to speak, in in 2024, seeing as how they they came up short of their goal of getting back to the end, winning the World Series last year. What's your take on the Phillies, what they've done and maybe more to the point what they haven't done so far this offseason? Are you are you with them on kind of the approach so far?
1: Yeah, I think I mostly am. And and it's not to say I don't understand the the frustration or maybe the boredom or, you know, whatever it is. We we like to see teams do something, right? And I and I think even just looking at in division at the Braves who have locked everyone in f- forever, right? Like it seems like every single position is essentially locked up for for at least 5 years. And you kind of think like what are they going to like if if and when something doesn't work, like where do they make a move? Because they've got all these guys forever. The Phillies aren't quite in the same spot, obviously, but they were this offseason. There just really wasn't that much to do. I, I agree with you. I would have liked to see a little bit uh, of something either in the outfield, whether it was center field or a corner outfield. Um, you know, I know Johan Rojas came in and, and kind of sealed things up defensively there, and that made a lot of sense, but you would like to see the very back of that lineup. Improved a little bit, you know, whether it's how much you're going to rely on Brandon Marsh versus Christian Pache uh, You know or or Rojas who was Mm -hmm. about as automatic of an out as you could get towards the end there Um, And and I like Rojas, Uh, you know Jeff Paternostro who heads our prospect team has long been a big big fan of Rojas but Mm -hmm. in terms of impacting the ball in terms of consistently, you know getting on base like the the bat is a a little bit of a concern there right and and the defense might make up for it and they have enough lineup that it it probably doesn't matter that much during the regular season but in the postseason you know you start seeing where like you really can't give away a lineup spot kind of anywhere and you would have liked to see them maybe try and and solve that in in some capacity um you know especially since with with Reese Hoskins departing you know signing with the the Brewers recently you know you have you, you are locking Schwarber into the DH spot uh and and getting a more athletic outfield overall maybe even just upgrade on Jake Cave in yeah. the outfield and it's yeah. but so so the reason you know I'm sympathizing with people who are a little bit frustrated but if you if you want to go look at the people available for these positions the question is like what exactly were you going to do because it's not it's not a great selection you know what i mean like that the question is like how who's who's an improvement and is it worth it to make that improvement right like once you committed to bryce harper as your first baseman you lost a little bit of flexibility there right because because bryce harper at first base means alec bohm at third base which means you really can only go to the outfield, and the outfielders out there, you know, maybe Lourdes Gurriel would have made some sense. That was a
0: guy I liked, yeah, uh,
1: and his deal was pretty modest. Honestly, I, I was kind of—I'm not a guy. I, I don't love Lourdes Gurriel, but I also thought for the rate that he signed for three years, that's not so bad. Uh, but but the other look, I love Michael Brantley. He retired. Uh, you know, Joey Gallo doesn't solve Philly's kind of problem in terms of you know he can obviously play the outfield but he's more the same offensively in terms of of you know the schwarber types um you know who, who's out there that people are clamoring for is it tommy right. Pham not a great defender uh you know his arm you can really run on him uh is it david peralta ended the year hurt you know uh who you know who, who I, I guess i'm just would ask people like who is it that you really want to see because yeah. it's, it's, I'm looking at the list and it's pretty slim pickings.
0: It's true. And I think people get starry eyed over a player like Cody Bellinger. But I mean, you can only have so many guys at $200 million contracts, I think. I mean, I would love to sit here and say, you know, owners are billionaires. They really can <laughs> afford whatever. But, you know, I, yeah, they it, can. They, and they can and that's true and all that but you also don't see that and and you also have to be careful about locking yourself into too many of the same players for for too long. I mean, if if you don't want to make the money aspect uh, aspect of it, then you do want to give yourself a little bit of roster flexibility, I would think and so and, and you do want to see it, you know, you've been cultivating a young guy like Johan Rojas you and you he gave you two wins above replacement last year. In two and a half months, with mostly just outfield defensive production, you know, so you want to give that guy an opportunity to potentially win a job, understanding that there's a trade deadline and you can still add pieces. I mean, right? That's the
1: other part. Is is if you're biding your time now, like it can be frustrating now, but all of these are are kind of marginal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I, I don't want to underplay it. They they matter, but these are these are working. That you know, the core of the team is set. And so you can do the marginal th- I mean you can do the big things in season 2 it's just usually extremely expensive but the marginal things like you can make those little upgrades I mean again not not to constantly harp on Atlanta but like you go back to their world their world series year they replaced that whole outfield on yeah. the fly they they yeah. got four outfielders on the fly and they you know that that was a big key to them turning things around and they didn't you could go you can go look at who they traded for all those guys. It wasn't anything wild, right? You know, uh, right. so so you can make those kinds of meaningful but still marginal changes. Um, in season i think and and i think it makes sense to go in for philly and say like let's see what we've got from johan rojas you know like i was maybe unkind to him about when i said towards the end of the season i really meant the playoffs where he struggled he had a very True. you know he hit 300 in, yeah. you know in his sample in the majors and that's that's great but it i i think it was a little bit of a it mirage. wasn't real yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i think it's a mirage in that in that sense but like he's yeah. also extremely young he's 22 or you know he was 22 there's growth to be had there so I, I i'm not trying to dismiss it and i think it makes sense to say like let's see what we have we can option him if we need to you know let's let's let kevin long work with christian Pache more uh we saw it, it looked like you know things were starting to take for a little bit i know we got hurt but you know let's see what he you know what we can get out of him i think it makes sense to do these things it doesn't necessarily make the fan base feel great but it makes sense Uh, I think directionally as a team to do that kind of thing I I do just want to say also on Bellinger not only is it about kind of how you're stacking all your contracts and your risk and who you're tying up and when but he is particularly to me a pretty scary profile to to take that big swing I mean who knows what he's going to ultimately sign for and maybe it makes sense for them to To re-enter those conversations at some point. I don't know when the price starts dropping or if the price starts dropping. But I wrote about Bellinger towards the end of the season in September. And that batted ball profile uh, just, it doesn't make sense with, with the overall stat line. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about like the, yeah, the yeah, exit yeah. velocities and and what he actually put up on his slugging versus like how often he was getting it in the air how often he was hitting it hard in the air all of this kind of stuff like it just, if you looked at his contemporaries on kind of the inputs to the power production it didn't make any sense where he was versus, versus the people around him based on launch angle exit velocity 90th percentile exit velocity stuff like that so to me and that's not to say look he, this is a guy who has who has adapted multiple times in his career and i was thrilled to see him bounce back in chicago and he's he's not old you know he's under 30 and he's got that going for him but i would have some reservations and i think that's why he's still not signed at this point
0: right yeah no i mean and People are clamoring for the Cubs to, to sign him. Cubs fans are, anyway. And um, certainly there's probably a little bit of reticence on the part of the Cubs. Because, I mean, they, I would imagine they see the same things that everybody else is seeing, yeah, for I mean, sure. Yeah, they, they banked <laughs> the know season, better than right? Else.
1: For them, it's yeah. kind of like, why, you know, we, we got everything we could get out of that signing. And that was a tremendous signing for them. Uh, and, and for him, right? I mean, he reestablished right. himself, at you know, there. But I think it kind of does make bo- sense for both sides to— uh, to, to kind of, I, I get why Cubs fans, Cubs fans want him, but like I, in, in a lot of ways, I think it makes sense to see like let someone else try their luck and, and take that bigger, bigger swing.
0: And, and as Phillies fans, we sit here and we've been kind of again bemoaning and groaning about the the slowness of the off season. It isn't outside of the Dodgers. It's really been that yeah. way for pretty much every major league team. The Braves were really busy. To me, it was but, but until the but, until the Chris Sale trade. It was just a lot of it was like you know a lot of bees buzzing around a, a, a hive. You know, there didn't really seem to be any sense to what it is they were doing. But the, the Chris Sale trade, I got. You know, you yeah, could logically, that that makes sense. That makes sure. sense, and that could be impactful. It might not be, but it could be impactful. But I'm i'm looking around the rest of the of the league and there's just there's so many free agents that are still available there haven't really been outside of the juan soto trade i can't remember another big trade that's gone down this off season it's just been very quiet very still
1: not yeah, much Glass action. now uh to, Yo, you yeah know, again that's the more, more dodgers but glass now right uh, yeah it's, but it's not been a ton i absolutely agree with you it's it's been a very slow and quiet off season well, generally. And why
0: do you what's your what's your guess as to why that is
1: I think this is a really weird free agent class, honestly. And and look, I know uh, I I don't I mistrust owners almost as much as anyone. But this this is uh, so so first you know you had Otani holding up the market, then you had Yamamoto holding up the market. But if you look at the top of the market beyond those guys, I mean it's like it's Cody Bellinger, it's Blake Snell, it's Jordan Montgomery. Uh, you know guys like this are very good players. I'm I not I, you know, I did not come here to disparage them uh mm. in, in any capacity. But there are kind of obvious flaws to all of them, right? And and as good as Jordan Montgomery was last year, you know, this we we also saw, and and throughout the playoffs, we saw a little bit of of kind of what might concern people when he had to come back on 3 days rest. And obviously he's not going to be doing that all the time, but we saw him down a little bit of velocity and i think he had two swings and misses induced that whole game Mm -hmm. one of which was a check swing and could have gone either way i mean like he's just look he's great at what he does and do i think kind of the advanced metrics uh including dra but you know whatever that might might undervalue kind of the way he he goes about his business and that he he is very good on contact guys don't make great contact against him all of that kind of stuff absolutely I, I am not trying to, to diminish anything Jordan Montgomery does, but the way teams look at this is we're going to pay you for what you do, not what you've done. Right. And, and Montgomery is uh, over 30 at this point. He played last year was his age 30 season, so he's going to be 31. You know, if he loses a tick of velocity, all of a sudden the stuff that he does in terms of placement, in terms of it, it becomes a lot harder. Right, guys will start even though he's placing it right. Guys have a li- that much more time to identify it, to lay either to lay off it, to adjust to it, that kind of thing. So, you know, I I can understand some trepidation there. Blake Snell, you know, Cy Young, one of I one of very few people. What is it? Three, maybe two, yeah. who to win a Cy Young in each league. Yeah. But like, does not throw a ton of innings for for a guy in that kind of territory uh doesn't throw many pitches in the strike zone now he can do that because the stuff is great but again you start thinking long term what happens when eventually stuff starts to go that's a given right and so the guys who get signed to these contracts aren't you know garrett cole it's not like they're expecting him to throw 98 forever but they also think he's going to be good when some of that stuff slips for a variety of reasons that's one example but this is Mm -hmm. true of, of the guys who get these big deals right yeah um Blake Snell, if he doesn't know how to throw it in the zone and and suddenly people stop chasing him quite as much, he gets an insane amount of chase, right? Yeah, that's yeah. to his credit. Again, this is not to diminish anything he does. But once that kind of stops because the stuff isn't quite as nasty, what happens? and the and the honest answer if you're a team is you might believe one thing or another, but you don't know because he doesn't do it right now, right. And that, and again, you're going to talk about 200 plus million dollars. I think that's scary for people. We talked about Cody Bellinger. What might be scary? I'm not saying these guys shouldn't be signed. I, I hate how long this stuff kind of drags on, but at the same time, like there are, I can see reasons teams aren't like champion at the bit, you know, to 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 get these guys under you know seven, eight year contracts, things longer than that. So you know i i do understand for someone like yamamoto who is twenty five we don't see 25 year old free agents we're we're gonna come close with juan soto next year but like in general we don't see it so like sure he got 12 years but no one on a on an average annual value that's kind of the nola deal mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. like they they're paying him i think he's gonna be younger than nola is when he reaches free agency um and, and this year's contract for nola runs out so it's 12 years, it's a long time, but he's so early in his career that you kind of get it to make sense. For these other guys, the way free agency works and is structured, like, it's just, it's it's tough, you know? And and I do understand to some degree how how teams are viewing it, you know, in that way. Um, do I think there's, you know, and, and I think Boris holds things up a little bit. I think he does it to get the most for his, his clients, and I support him in that. But I do think that's part of it, too. I don't feel like I did in prior uh kind of slow off seasons when things were really icy 2018 uh you know 2017 where things just dragged on scene you know bryce yeah. uh, bryce harper manny machado why those guys sat on the market i could not possibly tell you right yeah, that, that that's fortress. crazy to me. <laughs> that's crazy to me this is a little bit different okay. you know
0: yeah no, that's fair. That's fair. That makes sense. These are these are unique individuals that we're looking at in terms of free agent. We knew going into the free agent market, free agent season, that it was kind of a, a slim pickens free free agent season. But I, I really, I actually, I thought we'd get some more creative trades doesn't just not a lot of creativity out there it doesn't seem, I would agree uh, with that th- this yeah. offseason and it's just that's always disappointing as a fan you'd like to see a little bit more of that um last thing for you on on this and that is just in as you look at some of the uh the guys who are still hanging out there the Phillies we talked about outfield we talk about you know I still think they should probably try and find a Craig Kimbrell replacement there's been a run on relievers as of late um but there's a couple of guys out there that I think are still interesting Hector Neris Phil Maton Ryan Stanick. Former Astros relievers, almost all three of them there. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, is there a, is there a player that you think fits what the Phillies' need right now that you could see them making a play for? Whether it's in the bullpen, whether it's a you know a corner outfielder, whether it's a, a starting pitcher for depth, or, or something else that just might be hanging out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think any number of relievers could could make sense to just kind of beef that up a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think it makes sense for them not necessarily to go for a direct kimbrell replacement right where mm-hmm. where it's like we're gonna take a guy who we're gonna put in the ninth inning even though he's very clearly not our best reliever and you know we're gonna that fr- frees us up to use our, our other guys elsewhere i don't think you need to go that particular direction but i do think it would make sense if you know i i, I like the the former astros guys a, a fair bit i, I kind of like, i've always kind of liked Phil Matone tone uh, uh, uh a bit or, or mayton i might be saying that wrong i apologize. Um, but but i've always liked him a bit i thought they did some interesting things to get a lot out of him i know it's not it's been a little bit bumpy uh more recently but like i, I do think he would make some sense i think um you know just looking through the list i Wandi peralta i don't understand why wandy peralta is still a free agent honestly hmm. and and i don't know uh you know off the top of my head i can look but like obviously alvarado is there in terms of lefty relievers i mean you, you have soto and you have strom so you don't necessarily need or maybe even want another lefty with, with the three of them right you don't want to get too imbalanced that direction yeah, yeah. But Peralta is a guy that doesn't make sense to me that he's still out there he's been really good for the Yankees for a few years if you if you look at like how their fans feel about him like they're dying for him to come back and mm. you just look at the last two years and and we don't even have to get sophisticated on it 272 ERA in 2022 56 innings uh 283 last year in another 54 innings throws a lot of innings, doesn't give up a lot of runs right it doesn't have to be super complicated on that front so I don't know if that's the perfect fit for them as a as a lefty but I you know look would it make sense for them to upgrade over Dylan Covey yeah probably (laughs) right I mean like it's but like when you're, you're talking about the bottom guy in your bullpen and kind of what we're talking about in general with like you don't want to be too locked into everybody you don't want to feel like you can't make a move so like dylan covey might not be ideal but he gives you the option to like change him out when he's not working which might be immediately but might not right and it gives mm-hmm. you the option to to try something different um if you wanted to go that direction though i think like, jacob junis is an interesting guy um and and he's someone who can serve that long role he's been a starter in his career before um you know i think he was kind of interesting in in san francisco last year didn't you know light it up but sub four era uh started four games finished six games 86 innings 96 strikeouts you know it's a shout right like this might not be exciting to people and i understand but you're talking about the last guy in your bullpen right
0: now right 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 and those guys matter. Those guys, I mean, here's the deal. Like, if if you don't trust those guys, you can't use them in the playoffs. And we saw with the Phillies and the NLCS, they had two guys that they were terrified to use and yet had them on their postseason roster. And it bit them in, in, yeah. in, as, that, as that series went along. I mean, so you want to have everybody that you bring into the playoffs, you want to have some confidence that, that you can use them. And there were a couple of guys that they just, they absolutely did not trust. Uh, last yeah, thing I, for
1: you. Go just ahead. One, one more name just to, to throw out. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Dodgers fan, but Ryan Brazier, they picked up midseason uh he came over started throwing his cutter a little bit more often uh all of a sudden he i mean i don't i think his era was sub uh one i, I think mm-hmm. it was like 0.79 in his time with the dodgers um i'm sorry he, he was throwing his yeah he started throwing his cutter when they picked him up ramped up his slider usage a bit and you know was hitting 98 he's an older guy um again this is not particularly exciting but like that might be the kind of guy you're talking about they were using him in LA is essentially a setup man by the time he was they were at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of what the Phillies need. They need kind of one more of those type of guys. Or you believe Jeff Hoffman and Orion Kirkring can kind of step in and fill those roles and you I bring I think in- they can.
1: Yeah. Honestly. I, I think those are really talented. I, I you know, Kirk, Kirkering is obviously very exciting the slider is, is you know, yeah. absurd. Yeah. But but Hoffman too, right? I mean, Hoffman, they've done a great job. The, the Phillies have done a really good job of of cultivating these arms. And, and, you know, giving themselves some options internally and and finding guys kind of off the scrap heap like Hoffman and, and making them really useful. Um, so so I, I don't, you know, I don't think they're out of place where the Phillies have them currently. I don't think you need to knock them down a peg. But if, they, if you do, you know, that's all the better. It's a, there's cascading effects there
0: yeah last thing for you uh, Hall of Fame voting uh, the, the three guys who got in I don't think are any big surprise you know Todd Helton, Adrian Beltre Joe Mauer all deserving of, of getting in um, looking at some of the Phillies uh, who, who came close uh, Billy Wagner I don't really consider him I mean he was a Philly for a couple of years but when I think of when I think of Billy Wagner I don't identify him as hey, that's a Philly you know like oh, Philly came five votes short I, I don't care um, really about Billy Wagner at all but when I look at like Ch- Chase Utley Jimmy Rollins um Bobby Abreu, those guys who didn't make it in. Rollins catching Abreu uh, in the vote totals I thought was was interesting. Rollins slowly moving up. I thought that was very interesting. And then Chase Utley, I think the difference between the votes that he got on the public ballots and the drop-off in the private ballots, he he was like a a 24% difference. Between yeah. between how Utley was named on the private ballots versus the versus the public ballots, what's your take on the Phillies players who who didn't who didn't quite make it? And again, I'm, we can exclude Billy Wagner from this conversation because he's going to get in next year. He'll get he those. Should, he'll get those. He should votes. get
1: in next year. I know. I know there are people with kind of a philosoph- philosophical bent against relievers in the Hall of Fame. I, I I don't I don't go for that. I think they should be in. I think Billy Wagner is like oh, a yeah. top ten, kind of top 10-ish reliever all time. I would I would put him you know a little bit. Uh, closer to five-ish you know something in that range but like he deserves to be in in my opinion um so i i will also qualify this is that i've made a concerted effort to not care about the hall of fame because i think they do stuff so freaking backwards you know like this is neither not related to the Phillies, but Gary Sheffield to me is a hall of famer. I think it's crazy. He's not in, I, I, it drives, you know, and he didn't come particularly close this year for 11% uh, percentage points shy. But like, you know, there are a number of guys I think that don't make a lot of sense. So I've, i made an effort not to care, but it doesn't mean I don't, I'm not interested in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But, but it's like, it'll hurt me too much. I think we can start with Utley. I, Utley's going to get in. I think 29, just shy of 29% on his first, on his first ballot. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a really strong showing, and you're right that the the drop off there is is not great. But I think the kind of guys that are not going to vote for Utley are uh, are people who are aging out of this electorate, right? There is a there's there are younger people gaining votes over the years, and I think they're going you know they're going to appreciate what Utley brought to the table. He was certainly kind of penalized for starting late in his career. I don't know that that's actually an unfair. You know penalty. He, you earn what you earn in terms of like mm-hmm. when you, you know how long you played. But to me, he's a Hall of Famer, and I think he's going to get in. If you look at the guys who have made kind of big rises over the years, even Helton, you know he, he he's starting from a really good point. Some of these guys started at 11% uh, before they they ultimately made the journey over 10 years to get in. Uh, you know to get in in the end. Yeah. Uh, so I I think he's starting from a really good point. I I'm not really worried about him it would kind of surprise me if abreu or rollins ends up getting in um which isn't to say they're not deserving I don't know i'm kind of on the fence with them i i you know i'm i'm never gonna vote i'm not in the bbwaa if i was i wouldn't i i'm not like i i don't want to decide this stuff for, for people right <laughs> like bobby abreu is an incredible player and i think he makes really a lot of sense as kind of uh you know he's like a cause i, I don't want to say de jour but maybe a cause celebre of mm-hmm. of you know people who he was underappreciated in his time certainly the, the yeah. 395 career obp i mean he hit 291 it's not like he doesn't do the things people liked either he's a very good defender showed up on a bunch of mvp ballots i i think he was underappreciated in his time and and i don't like when people use the awards at the time as a way to bolster someone's case because you're just doubling down on on what happened previously right if he wasn't correctly recognized at the time then you're only using that to damn him now which right. doesn't make any sense. It wouldn't bother me if he made it in. I don't know if I would put him in personally, but it would make sense to me. It would, you know, it wouldn't ruffle my feathers in any way, shape, or form. He's a tremendous player, tremendous hitter, uh, and and guy. I mean, I I love I love Jimmy Rollins, but it would kind of surprise me if he ended up going in, just based on how these things tend to work. Um, but you know, he's got two extra years on on Abreu, and as you said, matched him in number of votes and percentage of votes. So. You know i might be wrong on that again it's not probably not the kind of thing that would bother me in any way shape or form but mm-hmm. i i think kind of i probably tend naturally towards a smaller hall but i also in 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 reaction to the people that they've let in right that that you know i loved harold baines but harold baines probably shouldn't have been a hall of famer right um you know like it lowers the bar and then it's kind of like well what's your argument against the, these other guys right well like, right. i don't really have one if, right. if that guy's in so it kind of cuts both ways like i said i, I get very conflicted about this kind of thing um but yeah. I, I think those, I don't know. It's, it's,
0: again, you could talk treats, yourself in circles with, you with, could, right? with, it's with, very with, all these easy. different guys. It's like I easy, can, yeah. I can make it, I could make a very clear argument for Jimmy Rollins laying down all of his numbers in terms of shortstops throughout history. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. and then there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of reasons to, clearly show why jimmy rollins was not a hall of famer at the end of the day it's a it's a subjective thing and i'm kind of a i'm kind of a large hall guy i i I, i'm i would put in dale murphy i would put in don mattingly you know like i would put those guys in just because i thought they were iconic players of a decade and i think you know it's the hall of fame not the hall of stats necessarily
1: so and that's compelling to me honestly
0: yeah and so i think that's it's just a different way of looking at it and you know as long as you can defend your vote I i don't really care how people go about it because there's a good way to it's just it's the disingenuous kind of yeah. like I did this I, this guy didn't like me when I was covering him or I haven't that's, covered. That's that's the league. kind of stuff, and I think that yeah. stuff
1: impacts Sheffield. I don't want to overlook you know Sheffield admitted he he took PEDs, um, you know, so I think that's part of it as well. But you know I do th- I do think a lot of it is kind of player relations, right? Like with the media, yeah, uh, that kind of thing. I also do think. Uh, With some of these guys coming off the ballot right like sheffield won't be there anymore uh these three guys will go in wagner will get in next year it it seems like jones and beltran are probably going to get in within the next few years Like some of these guys will pick up votes because people fill their ballot with other names right right and and so then they're going to have votes free to apply to you know, to an Utley, to to an Abreu, to guys like that. And they just, they haven't yet, because they're filling out 10 other names first. I mean, and you're gonna get, by the way, and, and I'm ignoring like Manny Ramirez is on his eighth ballot. So in a few years, like he's not gonna make it, but he's gonna stay on the ballot. So people are gonna keep voting for him instead of someone else. Like all of that kind of stuff will clear itself up eventually. Um, I just I do have to say like it just drives me nuts the Hall as an institution you know the the Baseball Writers Association of America has said we want the ballots to be public all of them like we voted as a group and and the vast majority want that but the Hall won't do it and I'm like hmm. one of you needs to like. You know, yeah. pull up your pants and make Throw a decision. A Let's like do this, this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, then stop. Do, you know, like then then the BBWA should require it of the people themselves, and just say like before you send it to the hall, you have to you know pu- you know make it public or that send it we're to allowed Tibbs. to make it public yep. or whatever. Yep. Again, like I'm not part of it. Easy for me to say, but like this, it, it's just it's a ridiculous thing, and and the fact that they you know. I understand cutting down from 15 years of of eligibility to 10 because they wanted to get some of these guys off the ballots but i think in you know if 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 gary sheffield had 10 years or sorry 15 years he'd be a hall of famer and i think that's a real shame you know he was i think 24 votes shy something Mm -hmm. like that i mean in, you give him five extra years, he probably picks those up just because of electorate changes, because of again people clearing off the ballot, things like that. And and I think that's that's a loss for people, yeah. right? The, I think for someone who who probably would have gotten in anyway, you now you you kind of taken away that opportunity from them. And I, I, that kind of stuff just drives me nuts with them. Well, good baseball talk here
0: with Craig Goldstein, the editor in chief of Baseball Prospectus. And again, folks, I want to remind you uh, go get the baseball, the, the Baseball Prospectus, the BP annual over at baseballprospectus.com. It is a, uh, a must have to get you kick-started into the 2024 baseball season. And you can follow him on Twitter at CD Goldstein. Craig, thank you once again for coming on Hit and Season. I really appreciate it.
1: A pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. Again, please, if you haven't done so yet, help your podcast pals out here at Hit and Season. Go on over to sportspodcastgroup.com. Find where it says Best Baseball Podcast or the 2024 Sports Podcast Awards. Click on that. Click on Best Baseball Podcast, and you can vote for Hitting Season to win that award. Would love for you to help us out and take care of that. Uh, just a couple of days left. The end of the week is when is when that contest is over. So cross your fingers. Hopefully, hopefully we're going to get that done. Also, you can uh, find everything we're doing over at Billy Penn. Billy Penn, our online home. For this podcast, you can go to our landing page, billypen.com slash hit and season, and you can check out all of our great content there, both in the podcast world. And we're also uh, doing some writing there as well. And you can also check out my work at thegoodfight.com as well. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on hit and season.